Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, founder of the Day One Network, which is bringing the history of the Australian startup ecosystem to you. I believe in founders. It's why I do everything I do at Day One and our media company, W2D1 Media. And that's why the Day One Network exists to create helpful content for founders. We've got some great shows in development, but a large part of what we do couldn't be done without support from our partners and sponsors. And I couldn't be happier than to be working with NTP, who get community better than any other technology recruitment company out there. A Newcastle company like mine, NTP, are invested in seeing the growth of the local tech community in Newcastle, Sydney, and more broadly, Australia. So thank you, NTP, for helping us bring helpful content to founders and the startup community in Australia. Back to the interview. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, founder of the Day One Network, which is bringing the history of the Australian startup ecosystem to you. I believe in founders. It's why I do everything I do at Day One and our media company, W2D1 Media. And that's why the Day One Network exists to create helpful content for founders. We've got some great shows in development, but a large part of what we do couldn't be done without support from our partners and sponsors. And I couldn't be happier than to be working with NTP, who get community better than any other technology recruitment company out there. A Newcastle company like mine, NTP, are invested in seeing the growth of the local tech community in Newcastle, Sydney, and more broadly, Australia. So thank you, NTP, for helping us bring helpful content to founders and the startup community in Australia. Back to the interview. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, and welcome to Day One, the podcast that spotlights Australian startups, founders, and the organizations that empower Australian entrepreneurship. We go back to the beginning to tell the story of Australia's most inspiring founders and how they built their companies. You're listening to a special interview series as part of a documentary W2D1 is producing about the history of the Australian startup ecosystem. On the episode today, we have... My name is Pete Horsley. I'm the founder of Remarkable. We're a tech accelerator for early stage startups in the disability tech space. I think maybe you have a quite a different background to a lot of the people that I'm talking to. I don't even know if it if I can say there's a typical path into the startup land, right? It's not really. <laughs> Everyone seems to have varied backgrounds, but you can you tell me that story about how you came to be involved in this community, this world? Yeah, I, I actually uh, started studying, well, studied and worked as a landscape architect prior to being in the startup ecosystem and I guess um, sort of fell into the startup ecosystem by accident. We, I'd been doing some work in the disability sector, particularly around the space of innovation and technology. What, what could we utilise around technology for the benefit of people within the disability sector? And for us, it was at the beginning just about how do we get people to think differently about this space. And so a colleague of mine was actually running a, a global competition called Change My World in One Minute. It was asking people with cerebral palsy, what's one thing that would change your world? And then we were, we were attempting to try and make that thing that they had actually said that um, they would love to see come to fruition. And and there was a man by the name of Alpa who was living in a small country town called Bursa in Turkey. And he said the thing that would change his world is if someone could, could create him a solar-powered wheelchair. 
And uh, we thought that was interesting, but it ended up getting a lot of votes from other people in the cerebral palsy community from around the world. And, uh, and so we, we sought to then uh, kind of create this prototype for, uh, for ALPA. We put it out to the worldwide maker community and we actually had a university in Virginia that said that they'd do it as a, as a project, uh, one of the feeder universities for NASA engineers. Uh, and uh, one of the things that Alpa had told us is that there was a temple that he wanted to worship at on the other side of town. And uh, he was also stuck in this catch-22 of where all the jobs were in town, which was outside of the, the reach of where his, his chair could get him at this time. But in order to buy a new chair, he, of course, needed a job. And so he was stuck in this catch-22. When we shipped the, we, we paid the university and, and gave them some money to ship the prototype over to Alpa. And within days of him receiving that wheelchair, he said, this is, he sent us uh, selfies out, out in front of a temple and said, this is the temple that I wanted to worship at. And about six weeks later, he, he told us that he had a part-time job. And so for us, this was technology changing someone's life. This is what we really wanted to see. But it, it wasn't happening at scale. That was one wheelchair for one person. It didn't turn into a product that was kind of then built for, for thousands of people or tens of thousands of people. But um, we, it then took us into uh, kind of thinking it was just about innovation and ideas. So we we're running hackathons. Uh, but again, you know, and many of the people who are listening to this will be familiar with with the outcomes of hackathons is that lots of people come up with great ideas, but the ideas are the easy part, I guess. And it's not until you execute that that's when you really find out if you've actually got a product that, that fits the market. Yeah. What year was this um, when you were doing the hackathons? So hackathons were 2014. And uh, it was at that time that we got actually contacted by our major Australian telco. Um, uh, they said that they liked the work that we we're doing and, and, Telstra said that through their foundation, there might be an opportunity that we could get some funding. And they said, if we were to give you some funding, we don't just want to fund events. Um, what would you use the funding for? And essentially, we went back to them and said, you know, until we get technology in the hands of people with disability, I don't think we're really making a lick of difference. And so I said, we need to commercialize this technology. We need to get this technology, um, you know, out in market. And so Remarkable sits as part of a, a larger not-for-profit called Cerebral Palsy Alliance. And our CEO is just fantastic. And, and he said, I think that's what we need to pitch to Telstra. And so we, we went back to them and said, we, we want to create an accelerator and try and support early stage ideas, help them commercialize and get them into market so that we can get that technology into the hands of people with disability. And so 2016, we set about launching that and, uh, and, and Remarkable has been going ever since. So you, you came from not a business background necessarily. No. You come into this world and, and you've built one of the most recognizable and you know successful accelerators. Like the brand recognition is amazing and, and I don't know if it's, just, if it's just me that I'm super aware of it um, or if it's a lot of people are. My question is 2014, like that's really early on in what most people describe as the startup ecosystem. Like... 2012 seems to be about or thereabouts seems to be the year when things really got going so you've come into this world with not much experience and you've managed to build this amazing organization uh, how did you have any support who did you go to who helped you i mean no one ever builds anything by themselves so there's probably a list of people 
Um, but yeah, how did you do it? Uh, we first started by just talking to startups themselves. And so we wanted to really understand what it was that they were dealing with and what support that they really needed. And at that time, not many of the startups were being taken seriously by any of any of the rest of the tech sector. Um, and I guess that was understandable because they're thinking, you know, this is a small market, you know, the, the opportunities for kind of finding a, a unicorn in amongst this is, is going to be limited. And we had an incredible amount of, of help from uh, Telstra's Murray D at the time. So Annie Parker and Nick Levinskis, they were great sounding boards for what we we're trying to do. And then it wasn't until we, we actually had a, a workshop that they ran um, for us with the help of Telstra that, uh, that I met Ben Reed and uh, Ben Reed was part of the Murray D team at the time, um, was actually um, leaving Murray D to do his own startup and, and moving to China. And, uh, and we maintained contact after that. But it, Ben was, was an incredibly significant person in the development of Remarkable. I, I didn't really know the tech sector. I didn't really understand the startup ecosystem and, and he was really teaching us everything that we needed to know and connecting us. And that's probably one of the other things that we've really noticed about the Australian tech ecosystem is that it's incredibly generous. It is incredibly forthcoming in, in providing assistance and in, in giving you a leg up in, in saying, just give it a go. Um, you know, it would be quite easy for there to be lots of criticism of what we were trying to do, but um, we found quite the opposite, that we had so many people who are, who are willing to help and there have been many, many hundreds of them um, since then. We have incredible mentors, incredible startup coaches, entrepreneurs in residence and, and others from the tech ecosystem that help us do what we do. Switching gears a bit, how long have you been in running Remarkable now or involved in Remarkable? Five or six years? Yeah, this is coming into our sixth year, so five years so far. What are some of the biggest gaps that you've observed in the ecosystem, either Sydney-specific, New South Wales-specific or nationally? I think there's a couple of things. That, some of the gaps that I see in the ecosystem, particularly around the space that we're working in, is, is a pipeline of, of innovation. I think that unless people are personally impacted by a problem or someone that they love is impacted by this problem, or they've been working in this space for some time that it's not until they experience that up close that we have very, very few people that, that sit outside of that, uh, that, that see this space as a space worth solving problems for. Um, so pipeline is definitely one issue. I think early stage capital is, is always a struggle here in Australia. And, and you know, we, we have some of our startups do go through multiple multiple accelerator programs and I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing because I think the reality is you look for opportunities that you can keep your runway going and so you know that little bit of extra capital or a little bit of extra support are the only pathways for that at the moment we don't have really well funded angel and and seed networks there are some of them around but there's there's not a a, a high proportion of those that are putting bets on, on young companies, not knowing if they're going to get anything back in return. And I think we've got an incredible opportunity here in Australia with, you know, the, the bipartisan support we've got around the National Disability Insurance Scheme. There's a real opportunity for us to see 
innovation in this sector as as one of Australia's major exports, one of one of our opportunities for kind of being on the international stage is to to really be at the forefront of assistive technology and technology that sits around disability and aging. So so I, I do see it at the moment as a real missed opportunity by both government and and kind of the investment community. There are some that are investing, but on the most part, um, it gets bypassed as, as a, a state for, uh, you know, the not-for-profit and the charity sector. Mm, yeah. Is that that mentality from the investment community linked to that, you know, the point we made or you made earlier about high-impact, highly scalable companies? There's this, yeah, misunderstanding that, that that can't happen or that won't happen. I think so, yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting, though, when you, when you do compare some of our federal government uh, spending and investment, uh, it, it's, it's at an all-time high in this sector. Like we're, we're putting over a quarter of a trillion dollars of, of Australian government money into the NDIS over the next 10 years, and yet we don't see this as a major opportunity for innovation in Australia. And, um, you know, we, we still look to space and reg tech and cyber and those sorts of things, really important areas, yes, but... We've got an opportunity that, you know, hey, we're, we're putting a, a big proportion of, of government spending in this space. So why not see it as a, as a rich um, territory for innovation and, and for startup technology as well? Yeah. Let's, um, on the flip side of that, be a bit more positive now. What, what, are we, what do you think we as a innovation community, startup community, uh, are doing really, really well in? I think that there is a desire to see technology that doesn't just give a, a commercial return, but it does have social impact as well. And I've seen a real growth over the last couple of years in in uh, technology that that doesn't just kind of fit for purpose, um, you know, perform a function, but it also has a way of considering some, some of the meta trends and meta some of the things that are happening around climate change, around gender diversity, around uh, workplace diversity, around, you know, seeing the opportunities to actually make Australia and potentially the world a better place. And so I think Australia is doing particularly well in that space. We see kind of a number of accelerators in this space. And then I think we have this incredible generosity in Australia, as I mentioned before, that there is a generosity of people within the startup ecosystem that I think that that sets us apart uh, in Australia. It's this kind of, maybe it's an extension of the mateship kind of thing. Maybe it's an extension of kind of, we've had an incredibly rich, diverse migrant kind of community where you have to give each other a hand up because, you know, that's, that's exactly kind of what kind of situation we find ourselves in. But I find that that's, incredibly encouraging I, I love seeing the 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 support that comes from the tech ecosystem that is a reoccurring theme that has come up through my interviews i'm seeing a, a number of different patterns come up and, and that is definitely one of them everyone helping everyone so that's really good to hear i want to just quickly go back to talk about the beginning of your story again just 2014 that that time period aside from Muradee and I think who else did you mention? You mentioned Henny Parker and Mick. Mm. Can you just give me a bit of a snapshot from your perspective at that time? What did the landscape look like at that time in Sydney? Like what what other organisations were you noticing that were 
about what other people maybe how big was the community yeah it was i think it was a uh, i found it a really exciting part of the kind of australian business landscape i guess was seeing this burgeoning tech startup ecosystem i guess i'd kind of been keeping an eye on what was happening overseas and and then when i saw that we had you know a number of accelerators across australia and um, we're starting to see the emergence of you know a couple of bigger players that that had actually made it out of that startup kind of bubble onto the the australian scene and so I don't know. I found it just one of one with lots of burgeoning hope and possibility that was kind of happening. And I was like, oh, if I could just be, you know, if we could play a little part in this and kind of create a little mark on on this part of the world uh, in that, that that would be exciting. But you know, we didn't even know really if if there was going to be enough uh, startups actually even out there that needed this kind of help. And so. All we started doing was was running monthly meetups and just saying, "Hey, if you're working in this space and you want to meet up with some other people that that perhaps are working in a similar space, then then let's do that." And we actually uh, we we started running it just out of some pubs in in Surrey Hills, and uh, and then after a little while, um, Atlassian actually took us in and and allowed us to run some of our meetups in one of their spaces in George Street. And uh, it was just an exciting time of kind of meeting other entrepreneurs and we'd give everyone a chance to pitch their business at the end of the, the kind of session, but we'd try and put on something that was actually useful for, for all the entrepreneurs as well. Um, but really, it was just a chance to kind of connect with each other. And I think that that's that's a central backbone to what we're currently doing now is, is, you know, that opportunity to, to meet others that might be just that little step beyond where you are, or maybe they've kind of been successful and, and kind of exited a business or, or they've, they've had kind of some startup failures that can be learned from. And I think that that ability to kind of bring people around and create a network that um, hopefully lifts all boats, I think is a really important thing. One of the things I guess that we, we've noticed is is that people with lived experience of disability are often left out of this conversation. And so we want to do more to make sure that people with disability who are aspiring tech entrepreneurs have exactly the same amount of opportunity as anyone that may not have a disability. And I think that inherently they've actually got some problem-solving skills that come with the territory of having to be the original life hackers, if you like, of having to make the world that's not designed for them work for them. So how do we tap into that that skill set and that network in, in Australia and, and kind of see that again as a differentiator for us? Just out of curiosity, over the last five years or so and, and through all these, these pub meetups and through your work at Remarkable and just life in general, ballpark it for me how, how many founders slash entrepreneurs do you reckon you've you've met oh wow um <laughs> that's a really good question it it'd be in the hundreds for sure because like we've we've formally worked with over 100 founders so we run events all the time yeah so it'd be hundreds i don't, I don't know if i've got a specific number to that sorry Adam. no the reason why i ask is because i mean you've you've just you've helped a lot of founders and you've you've spoken to a lot of founders and it leads me into my next question which is the the advice question if a brand new founder came to you tomorrow with just like you like a brand new founder 
she was a landscape architect she's just coming into startup land if you could give her one piece of advice to like help put her on the right path slightly increase the chance of her succeeding what would you tell her i think there's something incredibly important about belief um in a person and so being a, a first believer in someone it's, it's something that i've tried to do and we've tried to do as a team um over the years is is to believe in someone's potential and ability to do that so firstly i'd be encouraging her and i'd be saying that's amazing fantastic congratulations on getting where you've got to so far keep keep going advice and and i've started things i haven't started a startup so you know i I give most of the advice opportunities to to our our coaches who are incredibly experienced and our mentors who are way more experienced than what i am but but certainly there's some fundamentals that i think sit across every startup that they need to have and 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 one of those is being incredibly close to your customers and understanding your customers and not making assumptions about your customers so the closer you can get to your customers through interviewing them every you know we try and help our, our founders actually have a discipline of of uh, customer interviews mm-hmm. talking to customers all the time what is it that they need what is it that they want how are they going about solving that problem now not hey i've got this really great idea do you think you'd like it and of course people human nature says yes to that but really asking them how are they solving that problem right now what's the intricacies how do you build up that kind of knowledge around that problem so that that can set you apart in terms of your business um, by having that really really intricate knowledge of the problem space that you're solving for what do you think defines a startup ecosystem and what defines it as a particularly strong ecosystem I guess if we think about kind of an ecosystem as a living organization, a living thing, and it, it is one that occurs in balance as well, that different parts feed each other, then I think that a startup ecosystem is one that builds itself, that the different parts are equaling something that's bigger than the individuals. And I think that connectedness has to be a central part of, of that. And, you know, it was, it was interesting. I was reflecting with a few other people about uh, the South Start conference in, in South Australia. And there was definitely kind of some rose-colored glasses of being at, at an in-person event, being able to jump on a plane and all of those sorts of things. But there was something that that conference did to kind of really, it felt like an ecosystem. It felt like a community. There was a whole bunch of people there that I knew and then a whole bunch of people, massive amounts of people that I didn't know. And it was great just discovering kind of who they were and what they were passionate about and what they were working on. And I think that that's kind of, for me, the definition of an ecosystem that's thriving. It's kind of this excitement that builds around the opportunities that are before all of us and, uh, and, we, we love to kind of champion each other's causes around that um, as part of this, this broader ecosystem. So um, there might be one or two more questions, follow-up questions, but this last question that I leave people with is not really a question. I just want to open the floor up to you because part of this interview will be used in a much larger documentary series about the history of the Australian startup ecosystem. I'll also publish this interview in its entirety. What do you think needs to go into this story about the Australian startup ecosystem? 
So asked another way, what's something that you're always thinking about? Maybe a problem that exists that needs to be solved or um, what we're doing really well, what we're doing really bad, where we can improve. Like what comes to mind when I ask you what absolutely needs to go into this series? I think, you know, there's probably a few things that come to mind about what we need to to have as part of the, the Australian startup ecosystem. I think immense gratitude for the people who have come before us, you know, companies like Pollinizer right back in the day, really trying to kind of set the scene, you know, we, we kind of stand on the shoulders of giants who have kind of come before us. And so gratitude for that, but then also an acknowledgement that we're, like any industry or any sector, we also need to grow up and mature and, and we need to keep changing and morphing. And so I guess the, the, the part that I somehow wish is, is that the startup ecosystem continues to push the boundaries around inclusion. I think that that's been an important development in the last couple of years. I think it's been predominantly limited to kind of thinking about gender inclusion. I think we need to kind of push that out to, to cover a number of other vectors of inclusion because I think that, you know, that's one of Australia's greatest gifts is is our multiculturalism, is our health system that, that allows someone with a disability to actually engage and have a good life in Australia. It's important that we actually lean into the unfair advantage we've got of this kind of really diverse community that we have. And I, I still see us being a little bit choked around that. We don't quite get the settings right around that. And I think that there's more that we can do around that. And probably the second thing is we need to get government policy firing on the startup ecosystem. It's a well-known fact that we can't continue to look to dig our future out of the ground. We have to dig it out of our heads and, uh, and use our creativity to, to be able to, to set up Australia's future economy uh, that, that's one of, of incredible innovation and entrepreneurship um, that builds that next phase of Australia's economy as well. I hope you enjoyed that interview. More interviews are on the way. Follow the podcast wherever you're listening right now. Stay tuned for more interviews with many, many more amazing people from the Australian startup ecosystem. Thanks for listening and see you next time.